This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Dominic Samuels, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me this evening. Not all. And I know you're feeling a little bit under the weather, so we're <laughs> going to do half an hour. Um, I, I appreciate you coming. I know what it's like whenever you have an interview scheduled and you don't feel up for it. So I appreciate you coming along. Um, we'll do half an hour and then um, I will let you go and I'll finish off with some of the other stories. So thank you so much for jumping on. Thanks for being understanding. It's just one of those. Well, I'm just, I don't know what it is. It started on Friday, actually. Just feeling yeah. absolutely knackered. I've been sleeping most of today, to be honest. <laughs> Well, that's fine. As, as, as long as you don't pass it on to me, because I'm away to CPAC on Monday. So uh, thankfully, oh, really? you don't, wow. yeah, so, so jealous. Look, I'll, I'll send you the pictures. Don't worry. Whereabouts, <laughs> thanks. Whereabouts in the US do they do it? In DC. Oh, right. Oh, cool. I remember I went there for um, a Turning Point USA event in DC. Ah. It was the first time that I went there. Uh, absolutely loved it. We went to the White House. And um, we saw Donald Trump and Mike Pence speak in person. It was like uh, this black leadership thing that TPUSA did. It was such a brilliant experience. Unforgettable. Ah, well, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting the, the man himself, President Trump, over there and um, oh, all, wow. all, all, all the speakers. So it will, be, it will be good fun. But I'll send you pictures and next time... Uh, you can come over. Uh, yeah, no. One of these, one of these days, I'm I'm going to CPAC definitely. Good. <laughs> no, no, not that I'm the one that invites people, so it's my first time. So anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll jump in. You can follow Dominic. There's her handle. Of course, you know her from GB News regularly, from Mark Stein Show, from Iconic, from so many things, um, and of course, her own uh, podcast, her own live stream uh, on uh, Twitter, on Getter, on now on everywhere. YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah, now on YouTube. Oh. Um, I think the handle is the same on YouTube, but I am sort of in the process of building it up. I recently did um, a interview with Andrew Bridgen MP that did, that. that did particularly well. Let me just see. If, do you mind if I share my screen? Because of course you can. <laughs> just, to, uh, just to promote my little thing here. On, on YouTube? Yeah. Uh, so that... Uh, could you, yeah, I think I can bring it up. I think I need to bring. Oh, there you go. Yay! Right. Okay. So that is my YouTube. It's at Dominique Tagen. So the handle is the same. And if you want to watch the Andrew Bridgen interview, it's there. Ah. Uh, thank you for letting me do my little promo I, there. <laughs> I didn't actually know that a guest could share a screen. So thank you. You've taught me something. Thank you, Dominique. Um, well, I'm quite the seasoned restream user. You are. I know. I know. <laughs> um, that, but yeah, I love that interview with, with Andrew Bridgen. Really worthwhile watching. If anyone hasn't seen it, I don't know where you've been. But if you haven't seen it, then do make sure and watch that. It is absolutely worthwhile. Um, let's jump in with the news. We've lots of stories uh, to cover and we'll cover these um these four major ones and the first one i know you posted this dominic if it's mm. going to come up which is about low traffic neighborhoods so the link is in the description on most of them um and this is obviously about uh, low traffic neighborhoods being promoted as supporting neighborhood businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, nothing could be further from the truth. But tell us why uh, the whole issue of 15-minute cities has really caught your eye. Well, the whole issue of 15-minute cities, for me, was quite alarming because um, when you actually do your research and you look on the people that promote uh, these 15-minute cities, you know, slash low-traffic neighbourhoods. Number one, they have a real issue with the uh, private use of cars. So really, uh, there, there are various studies done by what I call these psychopaths that do look to limit private car use. Yep. Um, how do they do that? By making everyone swap out for electric vehicles, you know, taxing people out of driving, that sort of thing. I mean, we've seen that with the ULES uh, controversy with Sadiq Khan, you know, basically just making it costlier and more difficult to drivers for drivers to actually navigate. So that's the, the, the number one thing that was quite suspicious. But the biggest thing for me was um, actually 
they mentioned COVID as this sort of convenient conduit for people to realise that, you know, actually it's so much more convenient for us to be within 15 minutes of each other. And when you actually look at that outside of their romanticised and falsified version, there are thousands, millions of people that really, really suffered during those unscientific, authoritarian, psychopathic lockdowns. Uh, there are people that lost their businesses, people that committed suicide, people that died at home because they couldn't access um, NHS treatment. So this romanticized idea that it made us realize all of these things Maybe it did for the people that are privileged enough to have been able to enjoy that, to who are celebrating working from home. But the people, but for the people whose businesses relied on um, society operating normally, that's not. It's not quite a rosy picture, is it? So it's no surprise with that article that you referenced that you know various studies showed that um, in terms of customers returning to these businesses. It, it dropped ex- extremely low. Uh, I can't remember specifically, but I think particularly um, in Oxford, because of all of the basically hoops that these drivers have to get through, um, and Oxford's a touristy area, so people come from outside of Oxford to come and see it because it's a beautiful place. So they're just they're just not doing it anymore because what's the, what is the point? It's too expensive. There's nowhere to park. And it's basically just hostile towards the revenue that many businesses rely on. Um, and that's the real difficulty. Small businesses do not benefit from 15-minute cities. And, I mean, the whole thing, congestion charge in London being ruled out, uh, I think, it's seven days a week. And that is a massive impact. And where I might think maybe jump in my car and go somewhere. Actually, uh, I don't do that. But ProJam, could you bring up the um, the, the demo that there was a, um, a demo? Obviously, Oxford has been the one that has been pushed and um i just want to bring up this because it's the um european conservative and this is it uh thousands protests in 50 minute city in oxford um if you can just scroll that down and there were massive uh, i watched some of the the videos um and huge groups of people and i was a bit jealous i wasn't able to get there yeah i was but jealous it, it, yeah but, but it shows there is opposition because yeah. sometimes we'll be told don't worry this is a a conspiracy this is a, a, a just a small group of those on the right who are angry about this but actually people are galvanized and opposing this and i saw many of those videos and i thought wow this is good the fight is on bring it on yeah about 2000 people probably more were there they turned out they protested they demonstrated antifa turned up um (laughs) (laughs) uh, calling them fascists which is just really odd um i mean antifa sort of make themselves out to be these like anti-establishment radicals but really they're just establishment bootlickers in my opinion and i mean who are they funded by as well because they appeared they they, they've been dotted around quite quite a few demonstrations you know um so there was the drag queen story hour uh demonstration at tate modern yeah. recently they were there um things got heated because of them but also most interestingly uh, the protest in Knowsley, you know, about the um, refugees in the hotels. Mm. Um, so Antifa were allegedly there as well. And apparently they actually showed up and that's when things got violent, actually. Um, and it's not un- it's not an uncommon thing in America. They turn up at protests and those protests seemingly always get violent. So interesting. I'd love to know um, who's dotting them around in the UK because I think it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it could be Hope Not Hit, obviously being one of the organisations who are maybe linked to that. But you're right, they do pop up and the violence ensues. And I I, I would love to try and understand what goes on in their, their heads. So with this low-traffic neighbourhood, I mean, the destruction it does to businesses, if you're a local business, if you're a shop that needs people to come in, but no one can actually drive in and park outside for 20 minutes or in the car park for half an hour and pop in. Yeah, I mean, it destroys your business. A, a local business, an independent business cannot operate online and they rely yeah. on those people. And you see the empty streets and it's heartbreaking, yeah, especially exactly. post-COVID, that they can't recover. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, what do these, you know, what do the proponents of these 15-minute cities want? Do they want us all to be just completely reliant on corporations? Do they want us to just be completely reliant on these massive chains? Do they want us to all shop at Amazon groceries? (laughs) Because Amazon has grocery stores around the UK now. 
Uh, that's a really interesting question because all of the lefties that claim to be all oh, anti-capitalism, oh, you know, let's be organic and independent. A lot of the things that they are screaming and shouting for destroy small businesses. Yeah. Uh, well, they haven't thought this through. I think no. that's working out, Dominic. Um, there was a, another story which I know you had posted on this rule down. This is a a BBC story today actually saying that it seems as though they're backed on. But this is original books to be kept in print following criticism. Mm. Wow. So I've uh, scrolled down Pro Jam and there was a, a attempt by the publishers to uh, rewrite many of the books. Uh, mm. They had issues with a whole range of the of the phrases um what they didn't like female and they didn't like fat they didn't like ugly that that whole list of words but it looks like common sense has prevailed in this at least yeah you know that is the wonderful thing because common sense seems to be quite scarce (laughs) in in britain today but i mean let's just be honest there shouldn't even need to be two editions in the first place in my view although this is a positive thing you know, it just makes you think if you are offended by male cloud men and male non-gender neutral umpalumpers, because these are some of the changes, by the way, guys. So cloud men in James and the Giant Peach are cloud people. Uh umpalumpers in um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are gender neutral. <laughs> um in Matilda, Miss Trunchbull isn't a female, she's a woman. Now, I have my suspicions about that because of the new definition of what a woman is. Being a woman can be anyone that puts on a skirt and decides that they are one. Um, But female is a very distinct thing, um, which is obviously why they've chosen to take it out. Boys and girls aren't allowed in, uh, I think it's the Hungry Crocodile. It's instead just children. Mm. Now, the publishers said that they have a duty to protect children from offensive content. What is offensive about a cloud man? What is offensive about Mel Umpalumpa? It literally makes no sense. And if you're offended by that, I would suggest, you know, you should probably take a long, hard look in the mirror or alternatively get a grip. But I'm glad that now we can actually vote with our feet and choose what we want to read instead of it being dictated to us by this insular group of people that are clearly very disconnected from reality. Yeah, because you can have the the book section where people who are offended by everything they can shop, and then we can have the the normal one for the rest of us. Exactly, I, I, that normal people can read. Yeah, yeah the normal <laughs> section. But I I was in, interested in seeing the people responding. So no, uh, Ricky Gervais, who you, you'd expect to jump into something and cause some heat, um, yeah. and he jumped in on this, um, and then Camilla. Uh, is being kind of lauded as the one who stepped in and told authors to think remain true to your calling. Yeah, and I thought that was a curious intervention by the royal family. Yeah, it was. It was a curious thing, positive nonetheless. But I'm not going to be sitting here and being like, "Oh, yay!" You know, all of a sudden we've got an anti woke queen consort and king because all they do is churn out wokeism, and perhaps it's because of their uh, their offices, you know, their, their PR offices, they think that if they subscribe to all these mainstream sort of left-wing causes, um, for example, at the King's Coronation, it's apparently all it's all going to be about refugees and NHS workers and yeah. LGBTQ. Um, these, uh, you know, these groups, on the large part, think the monarchy represents something really pernicious and nasty and backward about Britain. So the idea that, you know, he should be pandering so strongly to these groups, I think is counterintuitive. But nonetheless, it was good to see the Queen Consort actually saying something good (laughs) rather than something woke. Um, My suspicions, my, I suppose, little theory would be that this intervention was to get people, I think, back on their side that feel a bit alienated by the monarchy as of recent because... King Charles, I mean, they obviously know what's being said on Twitter, online. They know that King Charles is sort of being looked at as the woke king. So (laughs) it's a helpful intervention. 
I, I'd love to know if conversations were had before and already the publishers had agreed and then Camilla comes out and she's treated as a saviour. Uh, you don't believe anything these days, so I wonder what happened yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the press were briefed. I know that. Um, the press were briefed that it was about the Roldal saga, like it was specifically about that, although she purposely did mention it because obviously they're supposed to be neutral. Um, they did make a point of briefing the press, so make of that what you will. Exactly. Let's dry queen story hour for mm. Um There have been a lot around this issue and it keeps happening. Um, I don't know. Um, can can you play that uh, video program as we um, have it in the background? But this, again, another one of these. In, in Dance break, everybody. Oh, look at this, mate. Okay, well, let's go enough of that. I don't even want to watch that. So that's not, but this in Southeast London, and it's the whole issue of children engaged yeah. in this. I mean, you've spoken about this a number of times, Dominic. Um, t- tell us your thoughts on this whole issue, which seems to be springing up more and more. Well, you know, Drag Queen Story Hour imported from the US, as is a most really bad woke ideas um it's been imported from the us it's spreading like wildfire across the uk um as i mentioned previously there was that protest outside tate modern um against the uh, drag queen ida hd uh she was hired to read to kids um even with this particular drag queen ida hd um has quite a checkered past when it comes to certain friends that Ida has supported online. For example, there's one called uh, Darren Moore, who died recently, um, who was a convicted child rapist. Uh, He was convicted in 1999 of raping a boy under 16, four counts, and was then uh, convicted in 2011 for for breaching his uh, sex offenders order Mm. because he was found to be working with kids as a coach, as a gymnastics coach, I think it was, or a dance coach. Um, And Ida very publicly was like, my friend, uh, donate to this GoFundMe. So your friend's a sex offender and you're wanting to read to kids. That's concerning. And anyone that's concerned about that is a far-right bigot, apparently. But in this particular case, um, I was messaged on Twitter by a concerned parent, um, basically saying, I mean, look what's going on in Lewisham. It's the Honour Oak pub in Lewisham where that video is from, where you can see a grown man scantily clad doing the splits in really inappropriate clothing. And when people say, oh, you know, you're just paranoid that this is sexualized. Um, if you go on to the Instagram account, it's been deleted, but there's a video that I did um, yeah. on Instagram actually showing the original post. Uh, This drag queen is called Copper Top Queen. And in the caption of the Instagram post, it said, wear a mini skirt, they said. It'll be sexy, they said. And as you can see in the video, the drag queen is like hinching up the the skirt to do the splits. Why would you need to look sexy at an event involving children? That's red flag number one. It's inappropriate. And the drag queen featured in that video commented on my Instagram post saying, nothing physical, physically harmful happened to the children, you and your far-right views. He's been extremely threatening towards other concerned parents uh, with really misogynistic undertones, actually, because mm. most of the people that are talking about this are women, concerned parents with children. And the thing is, is that I think the UK government needs to ban drag queen events involving children. I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's been done in Florida. It needs to be done here. They're inappropriate. And I'm genuinely concerned about the safety of children where these events are concerned. If you look at the picture and the video, the only people laughing and guffawing and Mm. having a good time are the parents. The children look utterly confused because they don't know what's going on. And they're probably terrified as well, actually. There was another person that commented on my Instagram post, a childhood survivor of sexual assault, that said, this makes me really uncomfortable. It reminded her of grooming. And it is grooming. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to desensitize children to this sort of overtly sexual and suggestive behavior so that they think it's normal. And what happens? Because children's brains are literally like sponges. They absorb information, the things Mm -hmm. that they see, and they mimic them and copy them. What happens when you see children acting like that with each other in the playground? 
Yeah. It's disgusting. And I, and I think any parent taking their kids to see things like that should be investigated, to be honest, because how on earth you could think that that is appropriate is completely beyond me. There's another um, baby cabaret group um, that I've been uh, directed to. It's called Kababa Rave. So for anyone that's interested... I'm going to be doing a video about this soon called Kababa Rave. That is a baby cabaret. So it's for babies. It's aimed at babies. And some of the images and the videos I've seen have been absolutely disgusting. Stripper gear, half naked women, men with barely any clothes on doing the splits with all of their legs spread. Um, a Santa stripping while baby, as a Santa stripping while babies are there, it's wow. absolutely disgusting. And I'm genuinely concerned. And I think the government needs to get involved, as do um, child services, 100%. I mean, you, you've talked a lot about this and tried to highlight this. Um, and you've engaged with commentators, but when you look at politicians and how they respond to me, this is a, it's a win-win for any so-called conservative. Uh, yeah. Look at this... Any parent will be on their side if they say, look, this is not appropriate. Just come out with that statement. And I don't understand. It's not a difficult issue. It's not something they need to work through or put out a, um, a, a group to find out what parents think. I mean, yeah. it's it's normal. But why do you, I mean, how is it that our politicians don't say, look, there's a line and this is not right for children, right, maybe right for adults and you can do what you like, but children yeah. are different. It's, it's quite easy as a win-win it's easy as pie and for the so-called conservative party to not be saying something about this and not actually be putting forward legislation because that's what i want to say i want to see legislation yep. if they would have any chance of winning the next election they need to start talking about things like this because this isn't just a culture war issue it's not this is about a child's safety and a child's sexualization issue by people that think that children need to be exposed to heavily sexualized and suggestive themes. And you need to ask the question of why. Why do they want children to be exposed to that? Now, I'm not saying all of these people are paedophiles or whatever, although, you know, it factually it has been found that sexual predators have found their way um, in those organisations. 100%. I'm not saying, but the people supporting them, I think a lot of them genuinely do think that this is about acceptance and kindness and inclusion. And it's just not. It's yeah. really, really inappropriate. And people like that, though, they need to be ignored because they don't know what they're talking about, <laughs> genuinely. Yeah. And I'm sick to death of trying to reason with people, even the people that say, oh, I mean, pantomime dames. Like, are you thick? How can you compare a pantomime dame, yeah. fully clothed, by the way, to a drag queen in literal strip heels and a miniskirt with big fake boobs, yeah. gyrating themselves in front of kids? How how could you even make that comparison? I know, I know. You're right. I, I've seen some of the comments and some of the posts you put up, and when you try and engage, and you can't get anywhere because these people seem to be intent on sexualizing children. And yeah, and, and then we've got to ask why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why is that okay with you? There's something not right there. Yeah, completely. Let's go on to. We'll do our final story together, and this is on the central bank digital currency. Um, this is a consultation paper. Uh, it was on the 7th of February, but you put it up, and I think it's quite important because we certainly haven't referred to this specific paper. Um, Bank of England, the digital pound, a new form of money for households and business, question mark. And this is consultation, uh, the Bank of England. I didn't know the Bank of England did their own consultations. I thought it was yeah. about, that's a whole other area. But um, it says the Bank of England and HM Treasury publication and they talk about the way we use money is changing um, and talking about using a, a digital pound. Um, I, I know you've done uh, a number of things on central bank digital currencies. Tell yeah. us kind of why you're concerned. Is this not just the way we're moving forward? So to tell us why you're yeah. concerned on this. Well, again, I think that argument is interesting about, oh, this is the way things are going now. Because look, the argument has been made, most of us, don't really use cash that much in our day-to-day -day lives or transactions. I don't. I use Apple Pay. Um, it, it's just convenient. Yeah. Um, but you've also got to ask the question of what is the problem that CBDCs are seeking to be the solution to? Yeah. 
because we already have the infrastructure in the UK for contactless payments, for card payments. That infrastructure has, has been there. We probably have one of the best infrastructures for these types of payments in the world. Yep. So a need for a CBDC is completely different. And the difference is, is that it will be government regulated. Um, so that's what it is. It's a central bank, central bank digital digital currency. So banks and by extension, our government, I know we say, oh, the, but you know, the Bank of England is separate. You know, it's it's separate, but it's not, it's not really. This, this is like a government controlled currency where they can track all of your transactions. So effectively like, sort of the track and trace we saw um, during the pandemic. They can track all your transactions, see what you're spending money on. And it makes you extremely vulnerable to financial discrimination. Um, So say, for example, you've got these psychos talking about, you know, we need to have carbon points. Everyone needs to be attributed a specific number of carbon points. Uh, Use too many of your carbon points one day, blocks from making certain transactions. Or if you have participated in a protest that's inconvenient for the government, they can block you from your own money. We saw as much in Canada, you know, remember during the trucker protests. And we've sort of seen what the future of CPDC is in uh, places in Asia and Africa. So in Nigeria, there have been riots recently um, because of a deliberate cash shortage that the Nigerian central bank has triggered. So they've actually had um, a digital currency since 2021. It's called the e-Naira. And um, with this e-Naira, do you know it's been um, rejected by about 99% of Nigeria. They've got about 225 million people there and cash is still favoured for most um, transactions. Yep. I'm going to have to wipe my nose. Right, one second. We'll put that back up again. Um, I just need to get a tissue. <laughs> that's okay. She'll be back. <laughs> the last few minutes. Uh, but th- this is a this is a huge issue, and um, uh, it's different from the purpose of. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry about that. I could just see like <laughs> under my nose. <laughs> oh my but gosh. No, but um, to just to finish off, Dominic, because it's. Um, the whole issue with digital currencies, the whole point of them was about privacy, was about taking yeah. control back to the individual, owning your money and not having government control. And this kind of is a perverse way of looking at it. It takes that and throws it on its head and says yeah. by the government, we're not going to let you take control of your money. We're going to pull back control. So it's even when they talk about digital currency, digital currency is about freedom and control for the individual. But this puts it all the way back. Yeah, exactly. And um, the thing is, is that is the thing with, you were right with, with cryptocurrency, is that specifically Bitcoin is, that, you know, it can't be tracked and traced in the same way. But our governments have obviously seen that and want to capture it and again, want it to be for some element of control. So in Nigeria, most of them have rejected um, CBD, the CBDC in informal transactions. So do you know what the central bank did? It created a deliberate cash shortage by announcing that all the old Naira notes were invalid and they had like probably a month to cash in all the old notes to receive new ones. Wow. So what you found were people queuing all outside of the ATMs, couldn't get access to their money, riots. And then recently uh, the bank announced that they were going to be using a new technology to save this uh, e-Naira that's basically failed. And I'm worried that that sort of stuff will happen here. But also, I think lastly, the most important point with this is that you can't have um, a CBDC without a digital ID and you can't Mm. have a digital ID without a CBDC because it all comes hand in hand. It makes transactions a lot easier, but it also allows the government to track you a lot easier. And that's why we should also be talking about and speaking out against digital ID as well. Because with this sort of thing, you will have no privacy. And for people that say, oh, if you don't commit crime, um, then it's no problem. That's not the point. What about people that are domestic abuse victims that need cash, for example, to escape 
um, their partners? What about old people who actually don't understand all of this technology? There are some real issues here that really do dis disadvantage the most vulnerable in our society. And also, <clears throat> with regards to even the 15-minute cities, what about disabled people as well that actually need to drive and need to use cars to get around? That was that was something that um, I meant to say, actually, as well. Yeah, no, it, it takes away all that privacy, puts full control, and you're right, digital ID is very much part of that. Um, Dominic, I've got to let you go. I appreciate you coming along. Thank you so much. Even though you're feeling under the weather, thank you for jumping along and joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. All. We will I'll carry on and I'll let you go and we'll speak soon. All right. I'd love Thanks, to be Dominic. back. All right. Thank you. Happy Bye. Bye. That was Dominic. Let me... Um, I, I, I know what it's like whenever you get called in for interviews and you're just not feeling great and feeling under the weather and I appreciate her coming along. It's easier to sometimes say, no, um, I'll give it a miss, but um, I appreciate her giving her time. But there were some other stories I wanted to touch on. And this is one that actually I hadn't put in the list with Dominic, but I think is um, really important. Um, how is my sound, Pro Jam? Is that okay? Give me a thumbs up. Um, he was telling me, yeah, my sound wasn't great. I'll, let, let me try and pull in some comments on, there are a lot of things, a story today that appeared, but let me try and pull in uh, some comments. Let me try and pull in some comments. Uh, something fell in my room, don't know what that was. Um, Robert McCare, one or two Central American countries have adopted Bitcoin as their currency. Yep. Um, Agrashid, uh, who else do we have? Pems Het. Uh, Tiffin Girl, who I can pull up. Um, Buckles 42, noted NWO and WF. I couldn't agree more. Uh, do drop your comment. Let me know how you're watching, where you're watching. Um, with Dominic on, if I can pull in some of those, um, that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, yes, yeah, so let me know, uh, Bob Moran, you can't fix every anything if you keep asking for more government regulation. Yep completely agree uh d taylor seven evening all on the beginning villain 82 frankie boys great to have you all on thank you so much for being with us this is a story that came up today and i want to touch on and i'll spin through the other stories this was a story that had uh lord pearson who is um i have the privilege of working uh with lord pearson in the house of lords for the last 12 years and I've also the privilege of working with Baroness Cox, who's absolutely wonderful. Actually was the Conservative Deputy Speaker in the House of Lords back in the day, now sits as an independent. And this is a secret House of Lords circle shown to have worked with the far right. Email blunder sparks inquiry into new issues group collaboration with Islamophobes. And that could be my email blunder. Could it be Lord Pearson's? I don't know. But if we scroll down this program, I want to pull this because it is a story that is done by, uh, well, this is The Guardian, but is basically being done, yep, so it's been done by Hope Not Hate or Hate Not Hope. So a secretive organization accused of collaborating, it's not really secretive, <laughs> I've been there for many years, um, has been operating out of the House of Lords for more than a decade. Uh, yeah, it is more than a decade. The organization called New Issues Group, it's not an organization, it's simply uh, a groups of people coming together uh, under a name, so it could be easily tagged and kind of identified, includes the former UKIP leader, Malcolm Pearson, and the Tory former Deputy Speaker of the House of Lords, Baroness Cox. The cache of documents, I don't think there's a cache of documents, um, acquired by anti-fascist group, or uh, pro-fascist group, Hate Not Hope, even suggests that a figure who would become one of the UK's most notorious anti-Muslim activists drafted questions to be asked in the House of Lords by group members. I think they're referring uh, to, um, who they're referring to? Um, I actually lose track. Maybe Anne-Marie Waters are referring to. Um, but it talks about this, kind of group, which is supposedly a shadowy group. There's Amory's picture. Um, it's not a shadowy group. It's simply a, in effect, a a, a talking house. It's a, a group that comes together to discuss some of the issues, especially around Baroness Cox's bill to give Muslim women the protections they don't currently enjoy. Because if they're married, they're not married under UK law. They're married under Islamic law, and they don't get the protections they desperately need and require. And that has to change to make sure that a Muslim woman 
is treated exactly the same as any other married woman. And her husband does not have the right to divorce you, say that three times when she's divorced with no recompense to anything because she's not married under British law. It's absolute travesty that we have hundreds of thousands of Muslim women have zero rights under British law because their marriage is not recognised under British law. And the Baroness has been trying to introduce a bill for over a decade and the government refused to put it in because they don't give a damn about Muslim women who have no rights under British law. Let's call it as it is. Um, this is the this was the Sky News one. Westminster accounts. Baroness Cox forced to declare financial interest after leak reveals links to anti-Islam activists. And um, Baroness Cox has taken funding from an American organization run by evangelical, so by Christians. Sky News have got a problem that Christians have donated money to the Baroness to help her in all the great humanitarian work uh, that she does all across the world. Wonderful work the Baroness does, and she's one of the most active members of the House of Lords I have seen in my over a decade of having the privilege of working there. Um, so Christian groups, absolutely fine. Anti-gay marriage campaigns, well, you've got every right to stand against uh, marriage is not between one man and one woman, no problem. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Uh, and she holds regular meetings with prominent critics of Islam. I have had the honour of being in many of those meetings, and it is wonderful to uh, spend time with great individuals who serve this country so well and continue to serve it well into their 80s and they could put their feet up and they could be sipping cocktails around the pool sometime. But no, they choose to come in and meet with others, work with others and do what is right. And yet, hit not hope or angry at these people who want to give back to Britain. Moving on. I think I'll do a whole piece on that because I was sh shocked. Hit not hope had emailed uh, myself, uh, had emailed Alan, they emailed Lord Pearson, Baroness Cox, many others, finding out what the shadowy group was about, which is simply a collection of individuals, like-minded individuals that want to discuss the issues with radical Islam and the freedoms we have in the West. And when that clash comes together, what happens? And we need to discuss that. As Lord Pearson has always said, can we talk about Islam? He just simply wants to talk about it. And for wanting to talk about it, you get attacked with every label under the sun. Let's move on. This story is, this is why I didn't want Dominic to come on YouTube, even though she's got her YouTube channel. Um, I, I saw actually the YouTube video with, um, with John Waters, uh, has gone really well. We have to be very careful what videos we put on YouTube. Um, we have to see how we use YouTube properly because it's not a bastion of free speech like Getter, like Rumble uh, on the website, like Twitter is at the moment. Um, many others, Truth Social, Gab that we use for not for video stuff. Um, there's so many great um, platforms available there and we need to know how to use them. But at the moment, we are holding off on YouTube. We need to see how we use that effectively because it is a huge platform, but it's a huge platform that you can't talk about this. New Zealand records biggest increase in registered deaths in 100 years. Let me read that to you again. You can see it. Let that sink in. New Zealand records biggest increase in registered deaths in 100 years. This should be the biggest story. Biggest in 100 years, not, not COVID, not COVID, something else is happening. Is it the more or less enforced vaccination of an experimental substance that didn't even go through trials with the vaccine group uh, on um, Dini and Rachel a couple of weeks ago? And they talked about uh, the control group, vaccine control group that is there because we have no data on the unvaxxed. We don't actually have any data because it's not divided up. In fact, Pfizer initially started the trial, so um, they would monitor those who were 
unvaxxed, unjabbed, unjabbed, let's not even vax, uh, vaccination, let's set that aside, who were unjabbed with this experimental uh, chemical, whatever, went in their arm, and those who were. So those who received the jab, those who didn't. And after, I think it was four months, I can be happy to be corrected if I'm wrong in this. If I remember, after four months, they scrapped that and they just jabbed all those who were unjabbed as a control. The opposite of what a control group should be. You can monitor those. They scrapped that. And people still think this is safe because it's been through a control group and tested. Utter bullshit. It is not. And people need to wake up and see this for, um, for what it is. Okay, let's we'll uh, we'll blast through these. The the next one, Projam. Even Fox News is now covering vaccine injuries. Now, um, I think we'll let's play this. Do you wanna? I've got Dominic still up. Apologies, uh, Projam. Do you wanna just play this? Can we play it? As we told Angle viewers in February of 2020, and by the way, at the time when he came on the show to the protestations of Anthony Fauci, we could never, ever trust China on this. We turn now to a COVID controversy of a different kind. My next guest, a physician from Roseville, California, says that he's treated more than 4,000 COVID patients. And of those, he says hundreds experience vaccine-related injuries including chest pain, cancer, and in women, menstrual irregularity and even pregnancy loss. Dr. Michael Huang joins me now. Dr. Huang, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. Right, well, well not, you can get the idea. Uh, and it's wonderful that, sorry, I'm messing up with graphics, um, that, that Fox News are actually covering this at long last. Someone who said they treated 4,000 patients for COVID and hundreds, um, they're seeing vaccine injuries. Let's take that as 10%, hundreds, let's say 400, 4,000 for, for sake of a, um, or let's say 200, 5%. If 5% of people are having injuries due to vaccine, this needs to be stopped immediately and to be analyzed and tested and find out what is happening. That would be the right thing to do. That would be the correct thing to do. That would be the safe thing to do. But it's not the financially prudent thing to do for these vaccine companies. Why should they stop it if they're making so much money? Um, and it's a printing press for them. Health, safety, that's not the main issue. Stopping the spread of COVID, that's not the main issue. The main issue is making money and taking a medical emergency and printing as much money as you can for your shareholders as a limited company. That's what it's all about. I know you know that. I know that. Many of us know that. It's up to us to try and uh, get the word out, especially as these companies push to move away from emergency youth authorization to full authorization. And um, I saw an application that yesterday uh, with, it could have been Pfizer for one of their updated jabs, and they're moving to get full approval for it. Nothing could be more dangerous, although my concern is the damage has already been done uh, through these mRNA jabs, fully untested um, and trialed on children. Can't get much more evil than that. On to the next story. This is looking at terrorism. This is a little survey that those who arrive in the country illegally are asked to do. Now, the government have failed to get a grip on our immigration out of control. But they're going to do a survey, an English survey, and this is going to fix our problems. So have you ever been involved in crime or terrorism? Yes or no? The fast track questionnaire handed to channel migrants seeking asylum. Um, if we scroll down, so this will attempt to streamline the process. Uh, migrants will be granted refugee status on the basis of 10-page questionnaire. Can you believe it? Well, it is true. Uh, so let me, uh, I'll read some of this. So um, this seems to get rid of the, the massive backlog. The questionnaire asks more than 50 questions in total, such as how they reach the UK. Um, if we scroll down and we have, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, the, the questions, no, no, keep picking it up. Yep. Have you ever been involved in war crimes? <laughs> Crimes against humanity or genocide. 
No, that's only the British government, I think. Maybe Matt Hancock could answer yes for that. Have you ever been involved in terrorist activities? Um, no, I think that was just Tony Blair, wasn't it? Have you ever expressed views that justify terrorist violence? Do you have any documents or other evidence to confirm who you are? No, because they got rid of it, because that's how they're told to do it. Have you ever been employed by the military? How did you get to the UK? <laughs> they're asking that. Were you subject to human trafficking? How much did the journey to the UK cost? What question nine? Please reply your receipts and we'll refund you. <laughs> I think that's where we're going. Um, send us your bills and we'll give it all back to you. Don't you worry. And would you like a new house while you're at it? This is a Conservative government. Please, any of you who haven't woken up to this who believe a Tory government are the saviors. They are not. They are the enemy. They are the problem. And they're not going to fix this mess. This has happened under their watch, under 13 years of supposedly conservative government, conservative in name only. Um, and I don't see any political party actually wanting to actually do anything about this uh, because you need to be polling what back and thinking of my UKIP days, I had to be polling 15% plus to get anywhere um, and really about 18% to get a slew of seats in the House of Commons. And even if that happens, you're a small party on the back benches, so there's not much you can do. Uh, it, th this last story, Projan, if you can bring up, Purging of the Assassins. Uh, story on the end there, looking at the Conservative Party and how they choose those who will stand. And this this story goes one way, but I want to take it a slightly different way, and I think we'll uh, finish off on this. Purging of the assassins as local Conservative parties pick their next candidates for the next election. Many of the 60 or so MPs who knife Boris are feeling the heat themselves. But this is the process that for the next general election, an MP needs to get the vote, the permission to stand as a candidate for their local Conservative uh, constituency, local conservative grouping. They, they can't just do it themselves and just because they're an MP doesn't give them right stand as a conservative MP in the next election. Strange quirk of British politics. And they have to go uh, with cap in hand and say, please, uh, conservative association, please allow us to stand again. And more often than not, of course, the answer is yes. But it can be a way that the local association can punish the MP um, and I guess a way of making keeping that connection between MPs and their constituents, their local party, those on the ground, and not just the uh, the um, higher part of the Conservative Party. Uh, so in theory, it's a good idea, but all this is about poor Boris. And it's interesting how some of these people will fare because I am assuming that many Conservative associations are angry at how the Conservative Party have run roughshod over freedoms and civil liberties. They may be angry at how vaccinations were forced on many, the NHS, the health system, many others, it was enforced upon them and they would lose their jobs if they didn't get it. There's a lot of anger and little Rishi Sunak, little R Richie Rishi Sunak, um, rich, uh, worth more than the Queen or the King, we're on to the king now, worth more than the monarchy. First time ever in history that the prime minister has had greater wealth than the sovereign. He he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And I think a lot of Conservative MPs will be punished. I think a lot of them will jump ship before because there's no way they're going to, to win uh, as a Conservative MP when they have destroyed this country in every way imaginable. Um, they are the biggest bunch of crooks. Um, many of them are quite evil, uh, especially with forcing a jab upon people that was never, ever, ever fully tested, never, ever, ever tested on children, never went through its trials, that the um, the trials were cancelled after months, and yet it was given to people and they were told it was fine. And now all the stories come facts and injuries. So, so many issues. And, of course, people like Andrew Bridgen, the Conservative Party, number 10, they don't want people like that to stand. Independent-minded MPs, 
that will speak up for what they believe is right and not necessarily just fall under what the government say. Um, we'll watch and see what happens. Really interesting. And I watching this closely because, of course, uh, we're all interested in what happens. Um, I think that will be enough for tonight. Let me pull up some of your comments on Getter. If you're watching on Getter, I can't pull the other comments up. My apologies for not being able to pull them all up. Uh, let's go from the bottom up. Okay. Bookles, 42. Know the WHO. Independent candidates of the future. Yep, but I don't know what they can achieve with our current electoral system. Pems head, Tories aren't Tory. Um, the, the name Tory goes back a, a long time, actually, as a derogatory term. But anyway, we'll not get into that history. Pems head, Tory HQ parachuted candidate into my mum's constituency. They've just deselected her. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The fight back between the grassroots part of the party and the, the machine at the top. Uh, shed not conservative anymore. Nope. Buckles 42, unfortunately, Reform UK or pro-jab genocide. Th that is a big concern. I'll not go deeply into that because we're not about attacking or picking off others, but any party who is pro-jab and criticises Novak Djokovic, who wanted to get in Australia and did the right thing to get in and then was attacked by the leader of any political party and mocked and ridiculed, um, I've no time for but that's a whole other issue. Um, James Simmons, uh, there are lots of others. I'll knock into them. James Simmons says sexualized children should be criminal offense punished by the British people. Yep, should be criminal offense. Anyone who is involved in that should be on the sex offense register and should be jailed up until it can be proved they're no longer a danger to children, no longer want to sexualize children. Um, I think that is about it so thank you for joining thank you for watching great to have you with us always it was great fun having dominic for the first time and hopefully we'll have her back soon fit and sound and well and healthy um next week i'm off to cpac uh we've got some great interviews that we've done in the bag uh we'll post those when they come out monday thursday and I'll be reporting over there from CPAC. Just had a message from Steve Bannon to say, make sure and come uh, to the war room. Uh, we'll have you on live. Many others will be there. Uh, I'll report there, give you an update as much as I can. Never been there before, so first time. And I know Nigel is going there. It'd be good to see him. I don't know if any other British folks going over, but I'll try and make a beeline for any others I can find. I'll report as much as I can, take as many um, interviews and clips with uh, people over there, and I'll be back after CPAC. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for watching on whichever platform you're on, and have a good rest of your weekend. Uh, we will see you back on Monday uh, with an interview that we'll tell you about closer to the time. So thank you, and good night to you all. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.